Generally, it's fairly easy to get our bodies to be still. The harder part is getting our minds to do the same. One tool that may help is prayer beads. For thousands of years and across the globe, people have been using beads to quiet the mind and facilitate a connection to God. Yet for many Christians, particularly Protestants, the idea of using prayer beads is foreign, even taboo. But there's a story in scripture that may help you develop a new appreciation for prayer beads and other objects of prayer. So I hope you'll join us to hear how beads can help us be. I'm Kristen Vincent. Welcome to this fifth episode of Being 1019. Okay, so first off, my apologies for the delay between episodes. I mean, really. I posted episode four on November 2nd. On November 3rd, I received a call from the upper room asking me to go with the team to the island of St. Martin. As you know, the Caribbean was hit by multiple hurricanes last summer, including Hurricane Irma, a Category 5 hurricane with 250 mile an hour winds. The people of St. Martin were showing signs of trauma, and the upper room wanted to help them begin to heal. They invited me to lead a retreat that would be based on my book, Beads of Healing. I was so honored by the request, and we immediately began preparations. But once I returned from St. Martin, it was time for the holidays, and then there's been all these random snow days here in the South, and, you know, one thing after another. But I confess there was some fear mixed in there, too. After a few weeks of not recording an episode, the worries began to seep in. Do I really have something to say? Is anyone listening? These were the doubts that began to take space in my brain. So with our most recent snow day, I took some time to sit by the fire and recommit myself to this podcast. So let's get to it. Now, just to recap, before my little hiatus, I introduced the idea of being 1019, of living into the passage from Daniel 1019 that reads, Do not fear, for you are deeply loved by God. Be at peace. And we agreed, well, really, I've decided, and I assume if you're still listening that you agree, that God's deep love is abundant and the best part about life but sometimes it's hard to feel it. And so we began to break down the phrase, be deeply loved. Right now we're talking about what it means to be. Next week, we'll start talking about how to be loved. And in a few weeks, we'll go all the way and talk about how to be deeply loved. This podcast came about because I didn't always believe the message of Daniel 1019. I spent most of my life living in fear and not believing that I was deeply loved by God. That changed to the point that I believe in God's deep love with every fiber of my being. That's why I'm here. There are a number of things that led me to this place, one of which is prayer beads. 
Though I was raised Protestant, I always had this fascination with Catholic rosaries. I thought they were beautiful, and I was in awe of the fact that people could use them to feel a connection to God. But I never used them. I just kind of admired them from afar. That changed in 2009 when I experienced a quirky calling to make prayer beads. In trying to figure out what that meant, I learned about Anglican or Protestant prayer beads. This format was developed in the 1980s by a group of Episcopalians as a way of reintroducing Protestants to the whole idea of using beads in prayer. The number of beads differed from the Catholic rosary, as did the way of using it in prayer. I was captivated. Here I was, a lifelong Protestant who had collected rosaries for decades, gone to seminary, and been heavily involved in the church, but I'd never heard of Protestant prayer beads, and I knew most of my fellow Protestants had neither. That's when I figured out what my quirky calling was about, sharing prayer beads with my fellow Protestants. I've been surrounded by beads ever since. By far, the number one question I get when I talk about Protestant prayer beads is, is it really okay for Protestants to use beads in prayer? I think they're worried that if they use beads in prayer, they might get struck by lightning. And I get it. I mean, we weren't raised to use beads in prayer. Our parents weren't, nor were our grandparents, or even all the generations before them. And we don't know why that is, but we assume there must be a good reason, and it must mean we're not supposed to pray with beads. So to get at that question, I like to recall a story from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. At that point, Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt. He had saved them from slavery, and now Moses was leading the Israelites to the promised land, this land that God had set aside just for them. The only problem was that in order to reach the promised land, they had to cross a desert. And there were no trains, planes, or automobiles, so they had to walk across this giant desert with all their stuff and all their children and grandchildren and parents and cousins and dogs and cats. Everyone had to walk across the desert. Not surprisingly, this was not easy. I mean, think about it. What would it be like to walk across the desert? It'd be hot. You'd get hungry and thirsty. You'd be tired. There'd be sand and bugs and snakes everywhere. And you'd never be able to get settled anywhere because you'd always be on the move. Well, after a bit of this, the Israelites got cranky. I would have too. And so they began to complain. And God heard their complaints, and in Numbers chapter 6, God offers this blessing to the people as a way of comforting them 
and reassuring them that they would get through this. The blessing goes, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and grant you his peace. Many of us are familiar with this blessing. It's so beautiful. Well, this is where it comes into play. It's God coming to the Israelites and saying, I hear you. I get it. This is a tough journey and a long one. And you're struggling and worrying that perhaps I've abandoned you. So let me reassure you. I am here. My face is shining on you. I am offering you peace. You will get through this because I am with you. Well, this blessing seemed to do the trick, and the Israelites continued on their journey. But more years pass. In fact, decades pass. Remember that this journey to the promised land took 40 years. 40 years, y'all. And so they find themselves still in the desert. By now, they have raised their children and are now helping to raise grandchildren or even great-grandchildren, and they are bone-tired. They just cannot handle another day in the desert. And so they begin to rebel. No longer are they just complaining. Now they are outright breaking commandments, building false idols, and arguing with God. They're saying things like, you know what, God? Although our life as slaves in Egypt was awful, at least it was better than this life of aimlessly wandering in the desert. So why don't you just send us back? The situation was dire. Numbers chapter 15 tells us that God again comes to Moses, and this time he says, Speak to the Israelites and tell them to make fringes on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue cord on the fringe at each corner. You have the fringe so that when you see it, you will remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and not follow the lust of your own heart and your own eyes. So you shall remember and do all my commandments, and you shall be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. I think about what it would have been like to be an Israelite mom back then. I think about how I would have felt after decades of living in the desert, never having a permanent home, and watching as my son just accepts that life is about wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. And I know I would have reached a point where I was so over it, so angry, and so hopeless that I too would have railed at God. So what would I have done when God effectively said, I hear you. Here's some fringe. Ugh. I think I would have felt pretty cheated. I think I would have gone, really? Seriously? I pour out my heart to you and you give me fringe? Really? I think I'd have been really angry. But here's the thing about that fringe. It was a gift from God. And like all gifts from God, that fringe was a perfect gift. 
Because here's what I imagine was going on. I think the fringe was God saying to the Israelites, you are physical beings. I know that because I created you. And as physical beings, you're going to have physical feelings such as hunger and thirst and fatigue. And you're going to have physical feelings such as despair and anger and hopelessness. And there's going to be times when you are so caught up in these feelings that you're going to forget all the promises I've ever made to you. All those times when I've said, I am your God. I am with you. I love you and I will always be with you. I grant you my peace. You're going to forget those promises and blessings because you can't get beyond your own feelings of hunger or fatigue or anger or depression. So when that happens, when that happens, you're going to need something physical, something tangible you can hold on to, because in that moment, that's the only thing that will speak to you. It's the only thing that will seem real. And I want it to be something that everyone has access to, that every person can do. Now, what you should know is that at that time, all clothing was made with fringe on it. That was the style in those days. So every person, every one of us, every man, woman, and child would have had fringe on their clothing. And God seems to be saying, this is something that everyone can do. Everyone can reach for the fringe that is hanging from their clothing and hold on to it. Hold on to that fringe, and when you do, remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. That is the gift of the fringe. It was meant to be a physical reminder of God's presence. God was as close to the Israelites as the fringe between their fingers. God had not abandoned them in that desert. God would help them reach the promised land because God loved them deeply. So if the question before us is, is it really okay for Protestants to use beads in prayer? Beads which are a common, ordinary, everyday object then I think all we need to do is look back at this story in the book of Numbers to see that God encourages the Israelites to take fringe. I mean, it doesn't get more common, ordinary, and everyday than fringe. To take that fringe and hold on to it and remember that God is with them. That's what the beads can do for us. So what's the connection with being? How can beads help us be still and be deeply loved? There's a number of ways I can think of. First, prayer beads are visible. You can see them. And just by looking at them, you can be reminded of God's deep love for you. Even better, 
For those days when you are on the go and so busy that you forget to take time to just be, you might see your prayer beads on the kitchen counter or in your car, and that will be your reminder, oh yeah, God is inviting me to be still and be deeply loved. Second, prayer beads are tangible. Remember how in a previous episode we talked about how our minds wander when we're trying to be still? That's just what our minds do. But it does make it hard when we're trying to quiet our minds enough to listen for God's voice. But we can hold on to our prayer beads. And when our minds begin to wander to various thoughts or to-do lists or concerns, the feel of the beads between our fingers will sort of wake us up and bring us back to the present moment. And like the fringe, prayer beads can serve as a physical reminder of God's constant presence in our lives. This is particularly significant when you are in the midst of grief or depression or traumatic memories. You will feel the fringe between your fingers and remember that you are present in the here and now, that you are not alone in your darkness, and that God is with you, loving you deeply into God's healing grace. Third, sometimes when we're trying to be still or pray, we don't always know what to do. We don't always know what to do with that time. To be sure, being, at its essence, is pretty simple. We don't really have to do anything. We can just be. But we are so used to doing something all the time that we may not feel comfortable when we first get started. I think prayer beads, though, can help with that. It may be that we enter into our time of being still with God by sharing what's on our hearts, by praying. If you don't know what to say, you can use each bead to share something with God. Now, Protestant prayer beads are made up of four sets of seven beads. Catholic rosaries are made up of five or 15 sets of 10 beads. Other types of prayer beads might have 33 or even 108 beads, but it doesn't really matter. The point is that you can take whatever set of prayer beads you have and use them to offer up what's on your heart. For example, if you're using a set of Protestant prayer beads, you might use the first set of seven beads to praise God. So with each bead, you're thinking of something to praise God for. You can use the second set of beads for confession and the third set for your prayer concerns. Then you might use that last set of seven beads for thanksgiving, using each bead to offer gratitude for what God has done in your life. That's just an example of how you might use prayer beads to share what's on your heart. You have the opportunity to experiment and figure out what works for you. But I think the prayer beads make this process easier, particularly for people who are new to being still or who find it difficult or uncomfortable to pray. That brings us to the fourth and last benefit of prayer beads. Ultimately, being with God is about sitting in silence and listening for God's voice of deep love in our lives. But as we've said, it can be hard to get our minds to be quiet enough to do this. This is where I think prayer beads really shine, where they really come into play. 
I think the greatest gift of prayer beads is that they can help us get quiet so we can really be with God. There are a number of ways this can work. You can take a short phrase or a word to repeat with each bead. It might be a favorite verse from scripture, a line from a hymn, song, or a poem, or a phrase or prayer that you have come up with yourself. It may also be a single word you need to hear, such as comfort, healing, or peace. Or you might just take a single, deep, long breath with each bead. Take some time to think about what might work for you. Then find a comfy chair, sit with your beads, and close your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths, and then begin to repeat your phrase or word as you touch each bead. Do this for as long as you need to until you feel calm and focused and open to God's presence. Now, repeating a phrase or word over and over may not sound like fun. It can even sound boring and monotonous. But this repetition is actually soothing to our busy minds. We're creating a rhythm for our minds and bodies to lean into. We're giving our busy right brain something to do, keeping them busy, so to speak, so that our left brains can begin to open up and create space. And it's in this space that we can listen for God's still small voice. Now, I want you to be clear that I'm not saying this is going to be automatic. It may take some time for you to get used to doing this. For a while, it may even seem awkward, and that's okay. Just keep trying it, and don't be hard on yourself. Offer yourself a lot of grace as you practice being with your prayer beads. Eventually, you'll get to the point where you can be still for one minute, and then three and then perhaps 10 minutes or more. And soon, being still will feel natural, and you may even start to crave that silent time with God. No matter what, I invite you to take up your fringe, whether it's prayer beads or a wooden cross or even actual fringe. Hold on to it and know that God is as close to you as the object in your hands inviting you to just be and know God's deep love for you. so good to be hanging out with you again. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for being patient between episodes. If you're liking being 1019, I would love it if you would click the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Feel free to share this episode with someone who may need to be reminded of God's deep love or who wants to learn about prayer beads. And write a review on iTunes, since that will help us reach more listeners. The more folks who live 1019 lives, the better off we all are. For more information about prayer beads, including how to make them, where to buy them, or how to use them, 
go to prayerworkstudio.com forward slash podcast for the show notes. Go there too to share any questions, comments, or ideas you have. I'd love to hear from you. I want to share my gratitude with Jonathan Adams, whose gorgeous guitar music you hear in the background. In a future episode, I'll tell you how I met Jonathan, because it's a great Being 1019 story. In the meantime, I encourage you to go to his website, sonicyogi.com, to learn more about him and download his music. I'm also grateful for the prayer bead community that has grown up around me. I am surrounded by people who love and use prayer beads, who have supported me in my ministry, and who have taught me so much. Surely they are a sign of God's deep love in my life. Until next time, remember, do not fear, for you are deeply loved by God. Be at peace. I'm Kristen Vincent. Thanks for joining me on this fifth episode of Being 1019.